Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Jeez, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> just, just, just. No, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really yeah. my face. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with Steve Monaghetti. All right, today's guest, he's a ripper. He's uh, very well known for his running capabilities. He's competed at the highest level, including Olympics and Commonwealth Games. He still holds the fastest lap around the Lake Wendere, I think. Yeah, still stands. Still stands. Yeah. People <laughs> also, are nice to me. Yeah, no, still, still, still stands. Also holds the record for the Sydney to uh, Sydney's city to surf. Welcome, Steve Montagetti. Great to be here. Josh. Thanks, Thanks for coming for in, me on. mate. I pre- appreciate you coming in, nice and early on a Thursday morning. Not nice and early, but yeah, ish. <laughs> I'm not great in the morning, so no? What's yeah, I've got up? my coffee early. Oh no, normally just after seven and. Um, kick back have a bit of brekkie and i'm not because i'm still running um most days uh, or every day if i'm not injured yeah and um, but i'm not great in the morning so we just we do most of our running in the afternoons or during the day a lot mm-hmm. of my friends now are working so they um go at lunchtime or something but my body because I've, I've smashed it over so many years pretty hard for me to get going and, and i'm still running at a high enough level that you know i like to run at night because i if if, I, if I'm cracking out, you know, I'm still running sort of 310, 315Ks yeah, in some sessions, so I need to be three, three loose what? and three-minute three tens, 315K yeah, it's still reps very and quick, stuff. Isn't so, it? Yeah, so I'm going pretty well for an old a, fella. I actually had a conversation with a few of the boys at the gym before before this, and I thought, geez, we should challenge you to... I don't reckon we'd win, but if it was four of us first and you're around the lake, I'd still think you'd beat us, wouldn't you? Oh, not at the moment. You'd I would have in the three, day. Three. I'd, I'd run about 19... What do I run about 1940 for the lake at the moment? So um, what's that about? I think that's three. That is 350. So nine, three. 1930 would be 315k yeah, pace. Most so. boys don't really run too much <laughs> anymore. So I reckon you might have us. Be close. Be close run race. How's um how's things through COVID been for you? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably. It was a bit of an adjustment. You know, I travelled a lot, so um, I'd be interstate every couple of weeks for meetings, uh, running events some ambassadorial stuff so yeah. that kind of was a bit of a transition for me to kind of just suddenly see all that sort of it, i didn't really know so you know it was kind of a rolling conversation of events dropping off so i'd sort of have something in a couple of months and then suddenly they'd say oh well it's not going to happen and then it just kind of continued to go 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 before you knew it here we are two years later and there's you know there's been no events on so i've had to transition out a little bit so and it's probably just fast tracked it a little bit for me. I was doing a lot of traveling, yeah. going to events, and and you're to allowed honest, to. Sorry, you're allowed to. Or no, what? no, sorry, not over COVID. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But before that, and it allowed me now to um, kick back and say, oh, I don't really need to go to that sort of stuff. And mm. you know, I'm probably at a different stage in my life, so it just fast tracked what I was doing. I was transitioning out of a lot of the traveling stuff, so and getting off a few things. So it's just helped me to do that. And what it has done, Josh, which has been fantastic, is um, I've started getting back into coaching so i used to chat to a lot of people but i really didn't sort of officially coach anybody Mm -hmm. we had a bit of a an online coaching program that i didn't kind of i've had my name to it but i didn't really own Mm -hmm. and um so i've started coaching i'm coaching about 20 running it's been fantastic running coaching yeah running coaching yeah which has been really good and um and you know all levels from and all around australia and um, an irish lady so i've got sort of a couple of international people as well but um and all all levels, male, female, you know, high level, high achieving, Commonwealth Games, uh, silver medalist, uh, wow. who's you know still running at a 
pretty high level right down to someone who just wants to get fit and start running so it's um, and I've really enjoyed that it's been terrific so that's been nice that's one benefit for me over COVID is yep. to be able to just uh, get back into that and doing something I love awesome where you grew up in Ballarat obviously yep grew yep. up in Wendoree Wendoree yeah. dad still lives in the same house in Does Wendoree yeah. and my mum my would live there but she's um, she's in aged care she's got um, Parkinson's and so she couldn't sort of live at home or dad was struggling to look after her and mm-hmm. So dad's 95 and mum's 90, so a bit of longevity in dad, the family. Is dad a runner or what? Good. Well, none of them, to be honest, none, I'm the youngest of four kids and none of us, we're a cricketing family. My brother Dennis played cricket. He represented Ballarat in cricket. So I was sort of more seen to be in a cricketing family, but dad grew up out on a farm as mum did out um, Blowhard, Glendarool, Cogles Creek area. Mm-hmm. So they never... They never, they were working at sort of 15, you know, yep. didn't really do a lot of secondary school stuff. So they never played sport, played a bit of tennis, I think, out there at Blowhard Tennis Club. And that was about it because, you know, you didn't. They, they mm. were working, working at hard. such a young age. And so they could have been talented runners, but we'll never know. But <laughs> none of my, none of my, certainly none of my brothers, and see, I've got two brothers and a sister, they don't run. Um, uncles, aunties, cousins, nephews, nieces. Not even in the nothing. same league as you. Like Absolutely Even like when nothing. you were younger, running at cross no. countries at school, nothing. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. No, so I don't know whether I was adopted. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm from it's space or alien or something's yeah. happened. But um, yeah, which was actually not a bad thing, Josh, because as I was growing up, there was never any expectation. So, you know, I'd go out and run my first running race and I remember getting home. Um, and my next door neighbour took me out to the race. He, he saw that I was running. And I was a bit older. I was 14 when I started um, running, which is sort of at an older age. And mm. he um, took me out. I came back and my mum and dad didn't care. They said, oh, how'd you go? Oh, yeah, no, it's good. I enjoyed yeah. it. And they said, oh, you got to go back next week? I said, oh, yeah, I probably will. And I so the first run you did was just a normal race? Like that was the first Yeah, just like- a Ballarat um, club race out at Lake Burrum Beat. And I don't even remember where I ran. I think I ran pretty well because... Few people seem to think I had some running ability, so I mm. must have been um, must have been okay. But I just remember thinking, oh, because I played a lot of team sports, and I just felt I don't know there was something missing in the team sports. I'd try really hard, and you know sometimes we win and sometimes we wouldn't, and you know. And then I just found as soon as I went out and did this running race, it was all just it's about all on me. you. Yeah, it's all yeah. on you. You got to work. So, You're the one doing the work. Yeah, and I couldn't blame anyone else. And mm. and you know if I ran well, obviously I could enjoy the successes of that. So I actually really liked. For some reason, it just clicked with me, and I seemed to just suit be suited to that environment. So, as I say, that was July 1976, and here we are. What is it? 45 years later, and I'm still, still running. loving it. Yeah. How, how come? Why'd you get into it though? Like, were you a little ass or any of that sort of? No. So they told me at little ass I wasn't going to be any good because I was. They a, told I you that. A, yeah, I was a skinny little kid who, and I couldn't sprint, yeah. and I couldn't throw anything because I was I wasn't. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no bigger now. I'm not yeah. that strong now, <laughs> and I couldn't jump. I was always, I didn't have any sort of fast twitch fibers, so I couldn't, didn't have any um, vertical leap. So really, there was nothing. And little, and it wasn't their fault. That's what little A's was. You know, there was, there, and then there, we did a couple of laps at the end as a bit mm. of a warm down, and I was probably okay at that. But little athletics back then was sort of more directed to, you know, that the the. the technical events and the sprinting so yep. that person was exactly right i was no good at little athletic because there wasn't a long enough event for did me, they have a, like a 1500 no so they didn't really have any distance oh. race so of note and really it wasn't um so I, I i stopped going there and sort of back then it's completely different now and you know i, I really support little a's and um 
Are they still do athletics it? Athletics generally. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I did it when I was a kid. I loved it. Yeah. In Horsham, actually. It was awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's very successful. It's probably more popular now than it's ever been, I would wow. think. So, and it's just great grounding for kids and really good socially as well. And mm. um, anyway, so, you know, that person was right. And I was never going to be any good. And I'm still no good at sprinting, jumping or throwing. I just happen to be one of the disciplines of athletics is distance running. And, yep. you know, well, I am good at that. And it's interesting. I never... I never really thought I was good at it because even at, you know, I went to St. Pat's here in Ballarat and even at school, if you ask people that went to school with me, I ran around a lot, but then no one ever sort of thought I was sort of all much that of, good. Much job, I was yeah, just, yeah. yeah, I just ran a lot and everyone would say, oh, you're always running. And then as the distances got longer, so, you know, when you're in sort of year seven and eight, you know, you're running sort of. 800, 1500, and then, you know, because of Lake Wendery being there, a lot of the Ballarat running events are sort of located around Lake Wendery, and eventually you run a lap of Lake Wendery, and the longer the distance got, the further I got to the front. Yeah. And, and normally, you know, when I was in, I don't know, year eight or nine or 10, I, I was at the front. And then I was, so I was at the front at school, and then I was at front in the, in the inter school, and then, you know, in my club racing, I was starting to win sort of Ballarat races. And, and it just kind of happened like that. So the distances got longer. I found myself further up near the front. Yep. So it wasn't that I was better than you. Yep. It was just that you got tired. Yeah. And, and I kept I going. I could just keep doing it. Yeah. And keep that's kind pace. of... So I don't ever think... I've never been a person who compares myself to you. So I don't... You know, I'm not lying in bed going, right, you know, geez, I want to, beat, want to win today. I want to beat this person. I want to beat that person. I've always just competed against myself. Mm-hmm. And the best I can possibly do... And sometimes that would put me up the front, you know, and you mentioned the couple of records that still stand, the, the lap of the lake here in Ballarat and the city to surf record in Sydney, which is, you know, I think one was 91, the other was 92. So, you know, 29, 30 years. And I didn't run them at the time thinking these records were going to stand for 30 years. Yep. All I was doing, I wasn't just winning the races because it was a gimme. I was always going to win the lap of the lake because, you know, I was the best runner in, in the world, let alone in Ballarat. Mm. So for me, it was the challenge of running as fast as I could or running faster than I did last year. And people might not realise, but that lap of the lake record, officially you can only break it on one day. What's and that's what's that? at the Ballarat lap of the lake. So there's a regional ah. centre. So the Ballarat Regional Athletic Centre, they have a lap of the lake. Yep. It's normally in May. And they have, it's all official, they have three watches, you're not allowed to run, you know, outside on the bitumen or obviously you can't shortcut, yeah. you can run the shortest way you can from the water's edge to the bitumen mm-hmm. and it's and it has to be officially timed on that day. So okay. someone can, you know, you could come up and say, oh, yesterday I ran 15 minutes to a local, I'll go, good on you, but doesn't count. Doesn't count, mate. it wasn't in an official environment. I, so, uh, Jack, and that's how it works. You know Jack, you know Jack Davies? Yeah, Jack. Yeah, yeah, he messaged me the other day and told me that, um, he said, Stu... Stu McSwain is going to... Is it Stu McSwain? That's yep. what Stewie. Yeah, he said he's taking up this year or something or next year. Yeah. He's taking it off, yeah. Yep. That's what he said. Yep. And he's good enough to because <laughs> he's... He, well, there's not that many... You know, I was I was the best runner in the world at the time over the marathon, but I wasn't the best over 6K around Lake Wendery. But there's probably only been probably two people who could... Collis might have went close. Collis Birmingham would have went close. Um, Craig Mottram, definitely, because he was one of the best mar- best distance runners in the world. Not marathon runners, but he's the best 5K. You know, he's running against Gebret Selassie and, and those, Bakili and those guys. So he was good enough. But he came up here and um, he did a, a bit of training up here and said, geez, I don't know, I'd have to be, I'd have to go yeah, hard. Yeah. I could would, you, just, would Julian do it? Would Julian Spence do it at all? No, 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 no. So no one, there's no one 
in, as I say, Stewie Wood now because he's, you know, he's at the top of the trend. He's running so fast over 1,500 mile, 3K, 5K, mm. that him and Craig would be the only two in the last, as I said, stood for 30 years. So in the last 30 years, they would be the only two Australians. Collis, potentially, he ran 13.08 for 5K, I think. So, And you need to go through in about 13.25, 13.28 to actually get the record. So, And you're doing it on, on dirt. Yep. You know, it could be windy, you know, so you've got different environment, different surfaces. So it's not as easy as running on the track. So it would be a challenge for Collis. He would have got close to it. But Stewie, definitely, because Stewie's much better it's over 5 regardless. It's, it's fast. It's so yeah. quick. and it'd be great to, you know, it stood for long enough. Yeah. It would, how good would it be for for the sport if he came up and, and broke it? And it'd be fantastic. Imagine the crowds around there. I still remember the day that I ran that 1610. It was a beautiful day. There were a couple of people, I think it was um, either Robbie Benoit or Steve Packham brought some guys up from the tennis centre to watch me because, you know, they knew I was having a go and yep. to see someone at the top of their tree. And there was lots of people on bikes following me around and stuff. It was just an amazing Did someone day. film it? I'd no. Love, I'd love no. to film something like that. Yeah, we, cool. we should have. We didn't know, obviously, at the time I was going to run you know, quite Stu? that fast. I was going to stand that I'll long. film that, Stu, if you Yeah, when Stewie comes. That. Yeah. Yeah, it'll happen. That'll be unreal. Um... Sorry, so, we digress. I'm no, sure you. We're up right. to about we're up to about 1990. We've got a few years to go. Yes. <laughs> so from there, you fit. So the 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 first race continues like when you went to um, Bar and Beat. Then you go to yep. where from there? So I basically then um, I fortunately for me, my year nine teacher at St Pat's was um, a guy called Tony Benson, who actually held the lap of lake record before oh, me smoked so um <laughs> he ran 16.59 he was an olympian so he was a legend and he was he was my english teacher and we all knew him and he said oh look i, I hear you've been doing a bit of running you know do you want me to set out some training for you so he it became my first official coach mm-hmm. and from there i started to take my running a bit more seriously so at 16 you know i I, I played representative cricket for Ballarat as well when I was a kid, so I um, played in the under-14 Ballarat team. And so I, I then, and, and I was okay at footy, wasn't a great footy player at North Ballarat, and um, so I made a decision then to drop those mm-hmm. and concentrate on my mm-hmm. running because they were, you know, they were getting closer into the afternoon and I was finding it hard to get from footy to get to the run to, for the time. To, for the start of the race so I chose then to just focus on my running played still played a bit of basketball and table tennis but that was obviously during the week at night mm-hmm. and that's when I was taking my running more seriously so you know we'd be doing some track sessions with Tony Benson had a group of friends who I would train with and that's when I started you know I won the under 17 Victorian cross-country title and then the under 19 Australian cross-country title so I was a really good cross-country runner and stayed here in Ballarat went to uni and at that time, I was starting to make sort of just the odd team. So I'd make a, I made a team to go to New Zealand with a few older guys, and I seemed to be the youngest person in these teams. And I'm thinking, oh well, yeah. how, how young are we talking here? So I'm 20, 21 when okay. I was making senior teams. So I, as soon as I started running senior um, cross country and road races, I seemed to transition pretty quickly. So I started to. I'm thinking, what's happened to all these other guys who was running with? You know, yep. that when I was 18 and 19, there were, there were sort of four or five of us. And now there's quite only one or two of us, and I seem to be getting picked in teams. And um, then I missed a team in 1983. I went to the went to Sydney in Centennial Park, and we had a, a World Cross Country trial race for the Australian team to go to the World Cross Country, and that's what, as a cross country runner, that's the pinnacle. Okay. So I never really thought about going to Commonwealth Games or Olympics because I wasn't really good on the track. So right. I thought, well, 
but what cross country is where I, I, I'm, I'm still now really good cross country rider to be yep. honest and I, you know I'm the highest male finisher at a world cross country um, with fourth so that was my dream and anyway I had a shocking race and it was pretty hard and I ran badly and a contemporary of mine a guy called Adam Hoyle made that team and remember I was sitting at Bronte Beach after the race that Sunday afternoon and there was a, a guy called Rod O'Connor who was coached by Chris Wardlaw and we chatted away and he said oh I didn't have a very good run today I said no I didn't I'm really annoyed and I'm better than that and he said oh you sound a bit disillusioned you know with coaching I'm coached by this guy Chris Wardlaw he's fantastic I think he'd be good for you Anyway, I, I got in contact with him, and Tony Benson at the time was coaching the Philippines national team, so he kind of, I just he wasn't give, he wasn't around a lot, and I sort of felt like I was just getting a bit lost. So I swapped coaches to Chris Wardlaw, and um, and he, he's coached me to this day, and we're still great mates. And you know, awesome. if you talk about mentoring, he's you know he's a guy he's who on. he's yeah. one of my my um, primary mentors. So if I've got a question, he I'll always be on the phone to him. He lives in Melbourne, yep. But um, you know, we're in contact. I speak to him regularly still it's been a fantastic relationship and that that just trans transitioned me from a from a probably being a, a solid Australian runner to the the international runner that I became so yep. he got me back on the track he said look you need to be faster you're not quick enough if you're going to run a marathon ultimately you know we need to get you quicker on the track he brought me back on the track and I, I you know I ran my PBs are so much faster than they were going to be with Tony Benson's training so it was and Tony did a fantastic job and I, I still talk and see Tony regularly but Chris was what I needed at the time and so I changed him got back on the track started winning you know track races you know won Victorian 5k's finished second at a national 5k title won four Zatapec 10k's and finally made a, a, a Commonwealth Games team in yep. the 10k so mm -hmm. it wasn't in the marathon I made the okay. 10k team and um, went to Edinburgh in 1986 and I was a bit of an unknown sort of a bit of an emerging kid who was probably you know snuck into that team but wasn't seen to be anything I was just a team member to be yep. honest I was probably the last person picked in that Commonwealth Games team in 86 to Edinburgh and um, anyway Chris and I tell this story often but Chris rang me about three months before the games and he said look I've looked at the team and there's only two in the men's marathon Australia every country is allowed to have three oh why, don't why was we, there only two? Well, that we no one else had qualified, oh, or right. no, they didn't think anyone else was worthy of being selected. So, anyway, he said to me, "Look, I, I reckon I can talk to Athletics Australia, and um, we might get your spot, that third spot in the marathon, if you're keen." And I said, "Well, I don't know, 42k to run both, yeah, I was yeah, say, run, both. run both, yeah, yeah." And I'd never ran a marathon before, and I, I was going to be a marathon runner, so we'd spoken about, you know, going to the Olympics and and the marathon ultimately being my best event, but. We were sort of, I wasn't quite ready. And I said, well, what do I have to do? And he said, well, because I used to run 18 miles on a Sunday morning. So this when we worked in miles back in the um, 80s. And he said, all you'd need to do is add two miles on. We'll still focus on the 10K because that's what mm. you're over there for. But you might just jump in the marathon see here you go. I said, okay. So I spoke to Athletics Australia and got me a run in the marathon. So I went to Edinburgh in August 1986 as a whatever 24-year-old. Ran the 10K on the Saturday night, finished fifth. And six days later, on the Friday morning, turned up to run the marathon, having never covered the distance. The longest run I'd ever done in my life yes. was 20 miles or 32K, yep. and a marathon's 42, so I was 10K short. So, you know, a couple of laps of lake short. I'd sort of done five laps or five and a bit and had um, had to do seven. And um, anyway, the race unfolded. was you know I felt pretty comfortable. I got a bit tired near the end, but I was um, having a great race, and um, Deke won 
uh, Lisa Ondieki won the women's Deke won the men's and I finished third in the in the um, marathon and it was so first Incredible. up yeah, win a bronze up, medal bang. yeah fantastic so and then I suddenly came home as this famous person who was going to be the next Rob DeCostella and the next superstar for Australian distance running so it was kind of a really it was a very transitional moment you know leaving Australia just this quiet kid that nobody knew and suddenly I come home and you know, I was getting asked to, to um, go and talk to different places yep. and clubs and speak at events and stuff it was it really was um, a massive change for me and and uh, that got me pre-selected to go to the world championships the next year finished fourth in Rome in 87 then I went to the Olympics in 88 so only my yep. third marathon was was the Olympic marathon how finished the, fifth and it was fantastic how was the crowd like what was the you would have been on cloud nine wouldn't you like going towards going to the Olympics for one when you're flying over and then what's the crowd like in that situation do you get nervous so I get nervous every time I run yeah, well, I did then because it was, you know, the Olympics and it sort of happened so quickly and I was probably still, even though I was 26, it was it was pretty young in marathon terms because it was only my third marathon. So it was kind of one of those difficult situations and we were on the last day. We actually stayed in Japan with Rob DeCostella and Brad Camp, the other two um, members of the men's marathon team and, and our partners. And so we did, we the Olympics were happening Yep. in Seoul and we weren't even there so we were sort of at this training camp and we just moved into in fact I moved into um, um, Debbie Flintoff King won gold medal in the 400 metre hurdles she moved out of her room and I moved into that room so I was in a, a gold medalist room um, in Seoul it was incredible when you think about it and um, getting ready to run this third marathon which was the Olympic marathon and yep. um, so I was kind of really excited but then I had to kind of focus on you know, you've got to get the job done. So you've got to keep your sort of eye on the on the, yeah. on the, the journey, you know, all the what's going to happen during the race. So make sure my nutrition was right, all my drinks. I knew the course was pretty hot. So just making sure I was hydrated beforehand, not getting carried away, being in the village around all these superstars. Yep. So you, it's, it's kind of one of those things you want to be excited, but you can't be that excited that you lose focus on the event that yeah. you're over there for. So How's the strategy going? Is, that, is it the strategy? I can't remember. Have you seen Breaking 2? Yeah, the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 With the only Kipchoge. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Insane. The goat. The goat. He can run. Do does do you have um like a strategy going into it? Because do they work together, I think? Is it the Kenyans that work together? Where they have like a... Yeah, they have pacemakers they have like fart, and all that. Fart leg sort of yeah. always a thing. Not so much at the Olympics. So it happens a lot in uh, the city marathons because they can all... They have pacemakers and, you know, there's... You know, so they can sort of set the race up. It's fast course. They can get... Um, cars out on the course, you know, certain setting the pace at certain times and that sort of thing. Whereas at the Olympic Games, it's not like that. So Free it's for more, all. Yeah, it's, okay. you can't just set up the race so much. So, so Olympics is more um, unpredictable. I mean, Kipchoge still won the last two, so they're not that unpredictable <laughs> when you're as good as him. Yeah. But he doesn't really have as much a, of a support network around him. In mean, something like the breaking two, you know, where they had the um, pacemakers and they had the um, the laser on the road, yeah. you know, the pace and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's kind of like a time trial yep. compared to the Olympic Games where it's a real race. And that's why we love that sort of stuff because it's not set up. It's not yeah, it's it's just, just, go. just person on person. Yeah. So they don't have like, you know, how that, like when they have like a, in a race when there's a group of the Kenyans, is, is it where they take off and then they'll slow down and when you catch them, they'll take off again? Is that is that a thing or no? Oh, they... 
yeah, I was never with the Kenyans all that much. Or um, <laughs> you know, they when when I was growing up, they didn't dominate like they do now, Josh. So okay. there was only really Douglas Wakuri and Kenyans were starting to come through. Um, Eric Wainana won a couple of medals as well when I was running against him, but they didn't dominate quite as much as what they do now. So there was less tactics and less of that surging. They've, Africans have always been a surging hmm. country. That's just kind of, they. that's how they work. They try to break you and they like to control the race. So yeah. they sort of play with your mind a bit. And now they're physically good enough that they can do it. So, yeah. um, you know, they don't have to worry. They, it's hard to get respect by um, from Africans. I mean, I, I'm not sure if they respected me, but I know they, they, they called Craig Mottram um, the big Mazungo, which is the, the, the big white man, because they actually respected him. Okay. Because he, they knew that he could beat them. Right. Whereas none of us, you know, they didn't worry about us because they <laughs> don't have to worry about them. They're, and Stewie is the same now. I mean, he's got respect. You know, they understand that he's he's tough and he's yeah. good. And um, so, you know, they know who he is. Half the time they wouldn't know who, who us Westerners are because we're soft, you know, we, we, we're going to chuck it in. We're not going to, yep. yeah. So, we're, so they have a different mindset to us. So you, you got, it takes takes a while before you get to the level of being um, mm. in there um, get, or getting good credit. Definitely. from the Africans. You have well, to deserve that. You have to earn that. That takes a long time. What was the... Is it 96 you won the gold medal in... Is it 96? Is it in Canada? 94. 94. Commonwealth Games in 94. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, um, in Victoria. Or on the... Uh, the, the oh God, I've got to get this right. Is it the island... Uh, Vancouver Island. The city of Victoria on Vancouver Island in Canada. Yeah. 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 Is that your proudest moment? Like, would you call that? Um, my proudest moment's probably, I always say the bronze medal. I won a world championship bronze medal in Athens in 1997. So for us, that's for athletics, because athletics, um, the world championships and the Olympics are basically the same. So, you know, you want to win an Olympic medal. I never won an Olympic medal. Yep. Um, so my bronze medal at the world championships is like an Olympic bronze medal. So that for me was, I think, probably my proudest moment. Um and that started at the town of Marathon, so there's a bit of history there. And we ran into the old stadium. And 10 years before, I finished fourth at the World Championships. And I thought, gee, how easy is this? That was only my second marathon. And it took me 10 years to improve one place. So wow. I really valued that third. And I'd had some sort of ups and downs in between. And, and it was pretty hot. And coming from Ballarat, everyone said, you know, I was 30, what was I in? I was 35 years old in... 97 so I was old I'd been around a long time it was hot so I couldn't run in the hot weather you know I was a um, a good place getter but you know I couldn't sort of finally get that world medal and there's all these things all these reasons why I couldn't mm. and on that day I did and so I, I silenced a lot of the critics gave myself a you know, I was a lot more relaxed after that because I'd achieved a goal that I'd set myself and I was only a minute behind the two Spaniards and yep. um, so I was you know a minute behind that world championship gold. So I was, I was really, at that moment in time, I was one of the best marathon runners in the world. And, you know, and for me to, to achieve that, um, and it was only a bronze medal. And I won lots of races in my life, but sometimes a bronze medal, you know, that's that's Maybe better more, than, a, yeah. than a gold because, you know, it's the circumstance and the context of which you've done that. Yep. And for me personally, that was very satisfying. And em then- Emotional? I was pretty emotional, yeah. Running around the, the old stadium afterwards, I had the Australian flag and, I was talking to Bruce McAvaney and I think he had Tanya on the phone or something. And, and believe it or not, Troopy, Lee Troop, who moved from Geelong to Ballarat to train with me and he went to three Olympics himself, um, he won the city to surf that day. So it was a great day for because and I'd been sort of training with him and helping him out and um, advising him and stuff. So, you know, he, he and that was a life 
long goal for him and you know I'd achieved this bronze medal so it was a pretty a really good day um, and then probably the only other day that could really match it was my final marathon was um, at the Sydney Olympics so yeah. Um, three years later, I decided to retire. I was 38 years old. I had a really long career, and um, and the Olympic Games were in Sydney. Perfect time for me to retire. So um, I ran that last race, and I remember, you know, coming into the stadium and getting a, a big cheer and finishing that last lap and crossing the finish line and being really satisfied to have actually ran so well. I finished 10th, so I was, you know, that was three top tens at the uh, Olympic Games, which only Deke and I have done. Um, so it was a lovely way to finish. My family was there. It was in front of the Australian crowd. So it was just a, the, the perfect moment. It was the last spot. event before the closing ceremony of the greatest Olympic Games ever, the Sydney Olympics. So, um, you know, so for me, that's a memory. And it was a lovely way to retire. You know, sometimes you retire, people tap you on the shoulder or yeah. you get the phone call saying, don't bother coming in. But, you know, in my circumstance, I chose to retire in my um, on my own terms, which is great. Yeah, definitely. How was your uh, like your training schedule then? Run me through like a normal day for you. <laughs> you don't want to know. Is that bad? Is that Back for then, long? Oh yeah. Well, you know, and I, you know, I often get asked how many k's I've done in my life. I think I've done about two hundred and fifty thousand k's or something. So I've been running, you know, forty five years, and which is uh, I think I worked out if you, you know, I was I would have, you know, when I was at full training. So probably for fifteen years I was running between one hundred and sixty and two hundred kilometers a week you know twice a day every day of the year so I never had a day off so I would only have a day off um, if I was injured or which was not all that often or if I was sick and uh, and I can tell you touching wood I was never sick so I, I, I don't I can't remember over my career so from sort of 83 when I started sort of training seriously to 2000 in that 17 18 year period I probably I don't ever remember being sick at all or missing a day so you know you get a bit of a cold or a flu and you just sort of mm. I'd modify my training but I wouldn't miss a day um, and most of the for me you know a day off was just running once a day yep. so you know before I like telling people you know I, I think my highest week ever was 233 k's for the week um, but I was regularly doing 180 to 200 k's, you know, around the streets around here. And in the, we've got a beautiful environment here in Ballarat. The forests are just spectacular. I ran in the forest last night, and I, I just keep pinching myself how nice it is in the forest, <laughs> especially, you know, at Creswick State Forest and Canadian and out Lau Lau. Anyway, I've got some beautiful running areas. And um, so for me, the training, it, it, it's what you have to do. So every marathon runner that stands on the start line of the Olympic Games has done that amount of training mm. because you, you can't, no one is born an Olympic marathon runner. You're you're born with the ability to be an Olympic marathon runner, but you have to do years and years of training to do it. That's why the Kenyans and the Africans are so good. They run to school and back home, you know, and they might be they might be ten K from school. Yep. So they run home and back. Imagine doing that from the age of year four. So imagine me, you know, I lived on over near grammar school, so it would have been about 4K, so imagine me running 4K to some Pats every day, or St. Columbus is where I went to primary school, that would yep. have been about 8K, so you know, I'd be running 8K. <laughs> if you're doing that twice a day, and you're not even thinking, it's not training, yeah, it's, it's like tr- it's like having yep. a footy under your pillow or a netball under your pillow at night, and you just carry it around all day, you, it becomes a part of you. So for the Africans to, to have that base training in their legs is incredible, and that's mm. why they've already got a really good platform when they get to 20, they've already done so much running and they've never been injured. They don't think of it like, 
like we do, like organised sport. For them, it's just survival. They just yep. that's how they got to school. So, so that base training is what you need to do. So for me, you know, I was I was running. My week always started on a Sunday, so I'd run um, thirty. Two and a half hours, so 34, 35K Sunday morning. Just oh. easy, though, just jogging. It What's of, the jogging for you, though? Well, for, for us, it was sort of 4.20K pace, yeah. 4.30, so yep. um, 27-minute lap of late pace. And then I'd run again that night, so I'd do 8 or 10K that night. So on a Sunday, I'd already done 45K for the day. And then Monday morning, I'd get up and I'd do 10K, uh, easy, 16K that night. Tuesday morning, 8K. My fart licks, I'd do about... 16k altogether run from mums around to macarthur street pier 5k warm-up do the 6k my fartlek which has become a sort of famous training session around the world that'd take do a lap so 6k then i do the 5k reverse the warm-up back to home so that's 16k but that 6k in the middle was fast running yeah, like i ran track, i was yeah. running sub three minute k's when i was doing that so going hard then wednesday morning i'd get up i'd do 7k then i'd do out in the forest 25k Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning, 8K, and then down to Lamberis, run down to the track, do a track session, eight 400s with a 200-metre float down there, sort of a 5K session, again, it's around three-minute Ks. Friday morning, 10K in the morning, 16K at night, just jogging. Saturday morning, the only session I had to get in a car and drive. It's incredible that I could run all of my training and um, 13 out of the 14 sessions were done from my house. That's how good Ballarat is for a training environment. <laughs> and uh, I drive out to Shire Avenue and do a bit of a warm-up around the streets at Mount Helen. And then I had a hill course out there that I'd do. And the hills out there were brutal. Just mm. They were tough. And um, do, that was about 6K. And then, again, 5K warm down. And then Saturday afternoon, I'd do whatever I had to do. So if I was 174K... I'd do 6K to get 180. If I was 181, I'd do 9K to get 190. Yep. If I was 190, I'd do 10K to get 200 and tick off my week. I liked a round number right at the numbers, end of yeah. the week. Always kept a diary and I'd write all that stuff in. My same God. old, same old. Turn up Sunday morning, another 35K in the bush. That's how it worked. Do it and do that for 10 years and you'll be a good marathon runner. It's incredible. How many, how many sneakers are we going through? Well, a few. Yeah, yeah like luckily, what, every two weeks, every three weeks? Oh, yeah, I probably... Um, so you know i i think because i'm really light on my feet you know i uh, and people even still now it's one of the one of the advantages that's why i'm such a good cross-country runner if it was really muddy i wouldn't sink into the mud i'd almost be able to you know it's not like Float, i, I fly. walk on water it's almost like <laughs> i walk on water yeah and so i didn't wear shoes out as quickly as most but i've been sponsored by um nike since 86 so for whatever that is 35 years yep. and so i was getting um runners um, sent to me or I'd pick them up and so I, I rotated a lot of different shoes so I ah, never okay. wore one pair of shoes yeah, which is down. really important because you don't get a wear pattern whereas if you're wearing the one same pair of shoes you know you'll get a wear pattern we all get wear patterns in them and then you lose you know that's when you start getting injured if you're starting to put stress on different parts of your legs so so by rotating my shoes I had lighter shoes heavier shoes for long runs light shoes and people still see me running around with with shoes in my hands now and they think why are you carrying another pair of shoes I said oh, i run that far i wear one pair out but not really <laughs> no i actually swap we swap shoes so if i do a warm-up they might be in a heavier shoe with more support yeah and then when we do the faster running we change into our light racing shoes so that we can run faster but we don't it. want to have them on your feet all the time because you'll get um, really sore so i swap them back when i'm warming down that's why we carry that pair of shoes with us so wow. um but that 
that's you know that was a pretty standard week and I'd get massage off Pete Howley who um, has um, set up Newington Physio with Charlie Flynn Charlie's still there Pete's retired but um, and he was my physio I'd see him on a Monday and he'd give me a general massage and then if there was some specific area that I had a problem with he'd see me again I think on Wednesday or Thursday so I'd see him a couple of times a week just to keep on top of those niggles and, yep. and injuries and he travelled with me he was such an important part of my network that he travelled with me so um, that was basically my week never did any cross training and people say oh you know what cross training do you do 200 k's a week the only cross training you're doing is sleeping mate i'm telling you i was so knackered well i wasn't i was working initially so early on i was um, teaching up at east high and then um when i started getting invites to overseas races i i so i became professional athlete so through the 90s i was still doing some work for the education department but it was part-time or pretty pretty relaxed i could come and go as i wanted to so i was basically a professional athlete who was who was paying is that sponsor payments or is that if you win a race both okay yeah so i had you know sponsored by mobile and mars and nike and um a couple other i had a few a couple of other sponsors along the way as well and that they they were fantastic because that base payment then allowed me to pick and choose what races i ran so i would go to the olympic games commonwealth games and world championships and i didn't get paid a cent for those they do now they have prize money or if you win you get um, prize money but i didn't win a cent out of those so but and then i went to a city marathon so i'd only run two marathons a year and I'd go to a city marathon, so I'd go to something like a London marathon or Tokyo or Berlin where I won, and I would get paid an, an appearance fee mm. and also hopefully win some prize win some money. money yeah. But that's that's a big day. So you think, and I'm just picking figures, but say I got paid an appearance fee of 50000 and I'm running along in the race and I'm having a bad day and, and I'm thinking, well, gee, next time they're not going to want to pay me $50,000 because I... I finished 20th yep. in the race or pulled out I didn't finish so that's the type of pressure on and yeah. this is on the the one payday I have a year yeah you got to be on apart from my sponsors so you kind of like to have the sponsors as the sort of your your, your safety net mm. but you're running along and that's the pressure that I'm under in something like a London Marathon you know for me not to finish in the top you know, I was hardly ever out of the top 10 and, you know, one one or finished second. So I was very consistent, reliable. They were good paydays for my family. And I had a family to support. Yeah. You know, and I'm a full-time a lot of stress. athlete. So Two you're running along and you're thinking, geez, I hope it's a good day today. Otherwise, yeah. we're not going to get paid for 12 months. Did you, you win know? a Mercedes or something? Yeah, I won a Mercedes in Berlin in 1990. Yeah. So it's great. That's a great story, you know. And, and you know, he's a quiet kid from downtown Wendouree who was in Berlin when the wall was just had just been so it got pushed down so there's sort of a, a revolt and a riot you know and the and there was a you know the community sort of sentiment they pushed the wall down in 1989 in um november and then they sort of the government sort of switched and and they had an official um um uh, reunification so east berlin and west berlin became just berlin and the official ceremony was when we were there so we kicked it off so the marathon was on the sunday and that was a whole week of celebration of reunification of germany so yeah. and we were there and it was just a cool. fantastic Experience. time and i love telling the story of i'd um two weeks before i went ran a world record or world best for the half marathon in england um and we moved so it, 
so there was a bit of pressure because I, you know, and, and I was one of the favourites for the Berlin Marathon. So we flew over to Berlin a couple of days later when we left Newcastle in England. And I remember we landed and we had we'd rented a house and um, Pete Howley was there with me and he was doing a bit of running and it was pretty late in the afternoon. We thought, oh, jeez, I've got to get my run in. I haven't had a run today. So we chucked our bags in the house and kind of got changing our running gear. We ran 400 metres. We're in West Berlin. We ran 400 metres down the street to the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall was still up and there were just holes in it and we actually crawled through uh, a hole in the Berlin Wall and, mo- and went into East Berlin and it was like stepping back in time. Because yeah. nothing had happened there oh, for that was 30 all the years. Same. Oh, it was all the same. It was grey. It was dark. All the buildings were old and dusty. It was. It was like a scene out of a movie. You know, you've kind of gone from this Western civilization suddenly over into this communist. Country. It was just incredible. Just the, the, and I will oh, never man. forget that. So Peter Halley and I crawled through this sort of spot, gone across the no man's land, and then into East Berlin, and just you know, and they're the experiences you have, and you know, you can't put a price on that. And that was just you know one of those moments, and I was a part of something. That one of the most significant events of the 20th century you know yeah. the, the coming down of the or the ending of the cold wall and the uh, cold war and the and the bringing down of the berlin wall and i've got a bit of the wall at home and you bring it over with you <laughs> yeah they presented so gave me a bit and um as a one part of one of the trophies and you know i had a great race i hadn't won a marathon that was my sixth marathon and i'd finished third fourth fifth so third at commonwealth's fourth at the world's fifth at the olympics then i went to london marathon finished second then I finished second at the Commonwealth Games behind Douglas Wakahuri in January 1990. So Berlin was was the day for me, and I had a great race and ran the fastest time in the world that year. So in 1990, my 2816 was the fastest marathon. 2816. Uh, ran that year, and the 13th fastest marathon runner of all time. Mm-hmm. So nowadays it'd be 13 running that a week but back then that was um you know so it was a massive event for me nike were really happy because it was a reebok event so and berlin marathon were really happy because they um became established that they weren't as well known you know they've got world records now the goat runs there and breaks the world record most years and um fortunately for me tanya and i went back um three or four years ago four years ago i think and um and i Myself and the lady who won the women's section there, Uta Pipig, um, we got inducted into the the Berlin Marathon Hall of Fame as the first two members. So it was terrific to go back and reminisce and see the changes to Berlin compared to when we were there. So they're the little things that happen, Josh, along the way. You don't realise that these things, you know, just by running and training hard here as a kid... You know, all these opportunities have come along in my life, and that's a classic example of being one of them. How'd you get the car? Did you get the car home? So, so that what we did. So, it was, I mean, I've had the keys. I've <laughs> sat in it, but it was a uh, three hundred series Mercedes, beautiful car, and it was worth sixty five thousand dollars or something. So, we worked it out. My manager worked out that by the time we got it back to Australia, so to import it Taxes, out here, we had to put yeah. all this pollution, anti pollution gear or something on it, convert it, and do all this sort of stuff. So. He said, "Ah, oh, look, stuff it. We'll just take the money." So we put it to a put it to um, Mercedes Benz Australia. Said, "Look, this is this is what money we've got. What he gives." And um, so I got a, um, a 180e, I think it was at the time, and I had it for ten years. I drove it from got it in February 1991 yeah. and kept it. I think I up 
traded up in about 2002 to another Mercedes and um, great cars, fantastic cars okay. and great memories. And yep. I do tell a little funny story. I know I'm, I'm sure this is going much longer no, no, than be, I love it. boring, yeah. but I remember, um, so I came back from interstate, must have been doing some race or some speaking event and, and um, Stephen Smith, my manager, had organised to have the car because it was Mercedes Melbourne. We're not sure how we're going to get up. So he organised to have it left at the airport and um, so I had the keys at Fallow Parking. So I come off the plane, got the keys. I went out in, and they said, you know, it's in Bay, whatever. And this is in the days when they had the person um, at the toll gate. So oh, yeah, yeah. anyway, so I go out, um, I've got the car to pay, um, pay the parking and I get to the toll gate and there's no winder on the window. So I'm kind of looking, I'm trying to wind the oh, window down. And um, <laughs> so I'm kind of, kind of going to go, mate, I, I don't know. So I get out of the car and just pay him whatever it was, 50 bucks or something, and um, jump back in the car and, and drive. He must have thought I'd stolen it because it had electronic, obviously had and electronic you didn't windows. Know. And I'd never had a car with electronic oh, windows in it, so I didn't know <laughs> what to do. So he's probably thinking, here's this whatever I was, you know, 20, 27-year-old bloody bloke who got no ideas driving a, a brand stolen new Mercedes, Mercedes. Yeah. stolen Mercedes <laughs> out of the car park at Melbourne Airport. Yeah, so true story. Far out. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. You know, so you, you, don't, you don't win a car in too many races. No, I was so, say, and Mercedes Benz as well. It's a pretty nice car. So it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, they're the little things. That, you know, the the little prizes and um, unexpected situations that happen in your life that are just you know, fantastic memories and w- all that hard work you put in. And you know, I love what I do. So I've never. I wouldn't. Ha- I wouldn't change a thing. I would not do anything differently. And everyone says you know how did you run that hard well you know I'm, I'm still running now every day and you know i'm only running sort of 70 80k and i'm still i'm injured plenty. more than i'm not still but, plenty mate but i still think it you know it was something i was bored to do and i just love what i do and i don't kind of think of it as hard work or sacrifices they were just things that just a part of my life that i love the opportunity to be able to travel the world and do something mm. that you've got a passion and a love for do you listen to music or anything when you run Oh, I sometimes, sometimes there wasn't there wasn't a lot of music, so I didn't have all those. We didn't even have um, watches with um, GPS on it when I was running, so yeah. um, so we didn't have the opportunity to use that. And I used to find it really lonely because I trained with so many people here in Ballarat. I always had a posse or training group and mates that I was yeah. running with. When I was overseas, to have to go for a two and a half hour run by yourself in a in a terrible city that's really busy i found yeah. that really hard mm-hmm. so it would have been great to have music and i love my music i i'm a i probably almost like my music more than i um more than i like my my running to be honest Ooh. and i, I mean i've, I've spoke it. to my daughter this morning she's in melbourne but um talking about going to the killers at day on the green next year or gang of user just got another album out and um or about to release an album in february and and they're playing at um uh, Rod Laver Arena, so they're okay. doing the stadium tours. We saw them at the Corn Hotel. And I've got to, you know, I met Dave at a at a, an event. Dave Le Pepe um, from Gang of Youths in at a, at a function at um, Festival Hall. Um, you know, he lived on the course, so he was keen to meet me because he lived on the course in Sydney. He's got he's had a pretty oh. tough upbringing, Dave, yeah. and um, lived in Sydney on the marathon course. I ran past his house, <laughs> so um, we shared a few stories. And so I love my alternative music. Loved, you know. Gang of Use, um, Hunters and Collectors, The Angels, mm. you know, uh, but also um, Arcade Fire and a bit of that sort of Smashing Pumpkins, Joy Division, um, back in the day, The National, a bit of that sort of stuff. So I love my alternative music, so I listen to it a bit now, but I like to try and take in the sounds of the environment when I run. Josh, yeah. right, it's all right in the city and some people need to switch off from life, but I love running in the forest 
And I actually sort of like the silence of the forest, so okay. I choose not to run with music in there because I, I reckon you get more in tune with the environment. I pick up, you know, if I had music all the time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of be as aware. Yesterday yeah. I ran on a couple of tracks. I saw, I reckon I saw 20 kangaroos, and one of them actually didn't move. Normally they, you know, they'll see you coming and they'll skip away, but I, I could almost have put my hand out and touched one right, yesterday. Do you have music in or not? Did they what? Did you have music in yesterday or not? Uh, oh, yeah, I was, was, sorry, I missed that. Yes. Did you have music in no, yesterday? No, 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 oh, so, sorry, I, did it. no sure, yeah. so I was just, I basically just turned up, went for a run and um, and picked a couple of tracks that I haven't ran on, on, on the sulky side, on the Creswick side of yep. the Creswick State Forest and ran down a couple of different tracks and, um, and they were there and, and I really could have reached out and touched it. So I love being in contact and it's almost like I'm, accepted in their environment because mm. i'm sure they're looking at me thinking what's this guy it's doing here who's this person so i love that just to have that silence and be able to appreciate the environment that i'm in so i think sometimes people don't you know they they sort of want to get distracted mm. rather than they want to embed in yeah the environment I'm, that I'm, in. I'm 100 like that wanting to distract it because i don't like running too much yep. i like running with the friends and stuff like you talk about but i reckon I've heard a couple of times, I've done this a couple of times, where you pick five things that you can hear, pick five things that you can smell, pick five things that you can touch. Right. Like when you go for a walk or a run. Oh, okay. Um, and that sort of made me a bit more like, it just made my mind wander a bit more into like what's going on surrounding me. Yeah, that's, okay. So I don't, I don't mind that one. Right, that's good. Um, yeah. I like thinking, I have a clarity of thought, so I'll, I'll often solve a couple of issues or problems that I have because you seem to, you seem to get rid of the, the sort of the shit from daily life mm-hmm. and you're kind of you're not caught up in all this sort of daily life stuff and it just you, you tend to be able to have a, a bit of clearer thinking in this sort of middle it's kind of i think it's when the endorphins release yeah. and you kick into this sort of you go to another another level of, of your mind and i think that's really a good time where you can get clarity of thought mm-hmm. so some of my best speeches solved a few problems and that sort of stuff is when i'm out running so running I like to do it that way. Kick, yeah, you feel yeah good yeah what did you do for um have you like piss yourself she, how's it work when you marathon run like go to the toilet yeah, we never need to because you're believe it or not because you're um, all your blood's going to your muscles your digestive system closes down so right. you don't you, you, you might you might have a bit of diarrhea if you've um, you know if, if you really pushed your body or you've eaten some food that's playing up with you a bit and, yeah. but I, I, I've never been in that situation but it has happened to some marathon runners where they'll just have a that quick was pit stop biggest stress for me I, I, did, really? one, I did one marathon <laughs> one marathon yeah. and that was oh, the stress I had before beforehand really yeah oh, that's interesting because we don't I suppose because we've trained it our bodies to such a high level and you know we're dehydrated or depleted that mm. you know you you become my body probably became efficient where it would know that it needed to use all its energy to just yeah. fuel my muscles so yep. so i never i never had to go to the toilet or have you or have you done the great ocean road Marathon? yeah yeah a few times yeah trippy and i used to alternate so that's tough it's a beautiful run but mm. pull the long i don't do the long one anymore i do the half or the run to paradise or the shorter runs but um it's a beautiful run how um, quick how quick did you do it oh i can't even remember what i i didn't win i was um i'd pace a few people and just run along and i'd run from pack to pack so i'd normally start sort of at the back and then run through have a chat to a few people and then run through i probably finished i might have finished in the top uh five or six maybe tenth mm. on a couple of times I, I was normally actually pretty close to the first female so i'd normally 
roughly catch the first female and run. I don't even know what we'd run because it's a bit longer down there. It was a two it's or three k further, so 40, 44 it? and a half, I think. Is yeah, it? so but it killed um, me. Absolutely killed me. Yeah, but a beautiful, just such. Oh, it's a nice. Scenery is nice. It's incredible, yeah, incredible. One of the most beautiful roads to run on. One, if you're going to run a marathon, that you could do worse than running that one's a ripper. Is a hill through the middle? That it's pretty what, tough. What's that? What's yeah. that called? So. Um, at Cape Patton, so you come out of because the half marathon starts just before there, yeah. and you come out of Kennet River and up around Kennet Cape River. Patton that's and, it. Yeah, it's hard stuff. Oh, good on you. Just yeah, got more that's... respect for you, mate. Oh well, a marathon I, I didn't sign me up for it. My friend did. Oh, right. Yeah, he gave me two weeks notice. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh great. Oh, we well, didn't be a very long way for you if you hadn't done any long running. Five hours twenty. Doesn't matter say. what you did. All no, you, all I finished you, what it. you That's say it. is you finished. That's yeah? it. I finished when it. When someone says, "Oh, what did you run?" Oh, I can't remember no, now. Somewhere, oh, three, three four, five years. Three, somewhere, somewhere, four, yeah, five hours. Right. Yeah. I, I thought we'd um, also just mention your your best best scores, your best uh, times. Yep. Um, let me know if these are right. So you got five Ks at thirteen minutes twenty five seventy seven. That's right. That was in Melbourne on Olympic Park. I finished. I actually outkicked a Kenyan, so was 96, beaten by wasn't ninety six. Yeah. yeah, at the um, Nike meet, and um, Kip Danui won the race. He was Olympic steeple champion, and I was. I just got a Kenyan and finished second. And I remember doing. It's the only time in my life I, I ran down the back straight, and they'd let the crowd out onto the track, and I was. Um, I was in the mosh pit. I was oh, I was geez. having a good time. The I monopit. was jumping around. It was. Yep. <laughs> you did ten k's in twenty seven forty seven. That's right. That was in Oslo um, in about ninety two. I think yeah, ninety two. Yeah, yep, ninety two. And uh, and that I think at the time I was just outside. I was chasing Ron Clark's strain record, which was. 2737 so I was 10 seconds outside that so but still pretty good and I did win a bronze medal at the Commonwealth very, Games very in, good uh, uh, 98 half marathon you did an hour and 6 seconds is that right 606 yeah oh, so 606. an hour and 6 seconds and um so I, that was a world record, world best. And you, as you can appreciate, if that's if run 60.06 for a half marathon, yeah. you double that. So I was on pace to run two hours and 12 seconds for a marathon. So when everyone's talking about, you know, Kipchoge mm. breaking two hours for a marathon, well, yep. I ran at that pace for a half marathon, so or just over. And I do remember I, I won. It was in Japan. And um, I remember it finished on a race course, and there was three of us, and we were having a pretty ding-dong battle to the finish. And I just got away in the last K. Remember, we ran into the race course and we we sort of came out towards the track and we turned right and ran down to the finish line and i saw the clock oh you saw and it there it and just was 59 46 47 i'm thinking shit i'm gonna run under an hour because back then no one had no one had mm. ran under an hour obviously and so for me i was looking at it and it just ticked over but it um was phenomenal to be able to think you know that i was going to run under 60 minutes for a half marathon was, was so incredible. quick so, yeah so that was my half story and your, yeah. and your two your, your your full marathon was two hours and eight minutes and 16 seconds that's, that's right and that was in berlin and technically that's the australian marathon record i mean deke Deke holds the australian marathon record but he did it in boston which is a point-to-point course and Technically, that's not allowed because you can get an advantage if it's downhill or gotcha. if it's tailwind. Or so mine was on Berlin. So technically, I you know I hold the Australian marathon record. But Deeks, he's the sort of marathon legend in Australia, so I'm happy for him to, so to hold clear. it. But um, yeah, so I'm the second fastest marathon male marathon runner mm, ever. Incredible. Do you want to move some questions? Sure. Those ones yeah, I fire on. So uh, what's something that people would be surprised to know about you? Um, that I'm a, a 
my I qualified as a civil engineer, so and worked as a civil engineer for. I did a read year. that. Yeah. Oh, did you, did? you enjoy oh, yeah, that? Yeah, so I did read that. Yeah. Um, it was hard work. Yeah, I was going to say the Shire of Ballarat, and it was difficult. You know, that was really difficult because that's a full-on career. You know, designing roads and and traffic solutions and all that sort of stuff. And then you know that was when my running was taking off. So that was yeah. in 1985. So I was just about to go to the Commonwealth Games and stuff. So it was a t- tough combination. I had a really good box, boss. So Rex Hollyoak was my boss and he was really flexible and um, um, supportive. But it, something was going to have to give. So, um, you know, not, uh, you know, it was yes. a great career, but it was, um, I think I, I ended up making the right career choice. In I the think end. so too. It's a, yeah, it's a tough one to get through uni, isn't it? I've heard of a couple of friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah we all Very got through hard. in four years. I got through for my four years and yeah, with a few. And I've still got really good mates here, Craig Fletcher and... Mike Kaufman is a really good mate of mine and we did engineering and I, I met them. You know, and I've got some really good uni friends from that time. So it was a really, really exciting time in my life. Mm. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Best years of your life, aren't they? Uni. Yeah, uni. well, I think, I think it is for most anyway. Yeah. Um, what What do you love to do most? Well, apart from, oh, geez, I don't know. Running, music, I family. love my, so I'm a bit of a, you know, I love doing crosswords and I'm a bit of a sort of mathematical because I then, you know, did a teaching course and taught math. So I, I love sort of working statistics and that sort of stuff. And, and I love maps. So, okay. you know, I ran in the forest last night. I didn't really know where I was going. So I got back home and kind of looked up where I'd been and tried to, you know, bit figure of out. A bit, yeah, a bit of orienteering. Yeah. That's right. So I just, and even maps around the world, of wherever I've travelled, you know, I'd set out after I'd run a marathon, the fam had come over and we'd go on a bit of a tour around somewhere. And I'd, I've always, they, they hate it because I'm so anal with maps and stuff. So, but I've all, I always like to know where I'm going. And yeah, so I, I could have been a cartographer. If I was born in the, you know, the 17th century, I'd be mapping, yep. you, know, you know, breaking new frontiers around the world or something. I'd love that sort of stuff. You still use the mailways or what? Oh yeah, I, I was the last one to get rid of one, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, we're sitting <laughs> in the side of the car, don't worry about that. Yeah, love oh, my mailways. mailways. Exactly. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Uh, I don't like spiders. I'm not a big fan mm. of spiders and, you know, um, everyone says, you know, I should go on, um, you know, what is it? Celebrity, get me out of here, or one of them, or something. Say no, mate. If they put me near one of those tarantulas or whatever that spider is on the on the promo, that's it, mate. I'm out of there. Snakes? Not bad on snakes. No, and we run. You know, obviously we run a lot in the forest, and we see snakes fairly regularly. I don't mind snakes because they don't invade my privacy. I reckon you know a spider sort of comes into my home. You reckon? Oh yeah. Whereas a snake, it's their environment, and I respect them, and Mm. they they're saying, well, this is where I live. And you're coming in, and I go, okay, that's true. So I let them move, and they normally move out of the way, and, yep. and on I go. So I'm not so okay. bad with snakes. Uh, what's something someone said to you that's just never left you in your life? Oh, the, I think the great saying, and I use it, I've stolen it, but um, you know, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I think that's worked, and that's fantastic for me, you know. Mm. Um, you know obviously, it's pretty uh, appropriate for the sport that I do, but I think it's pretty pretty genuine, pretty genuine one as well. Because, yeah, yep. you know, a lot of people are talented, and whilst I might not have been seen to be all that talented, I worked really hard to make the most of what I was born with. And all you can do is do the best with what you got. Yep. And I reckon I've done the best with what I, I was awesome. born with. Awesome. Uh, do you have any mentors, we've already mentioned one, or people that you really look up to? Yeah, so obviously Chris Wardlaw and um, uh, you know a good friend of mine, um, Karen McCann, who's no longer with us now. Um, she died, but she was a a great running friend and um and she was just such a such a terrific person that i i kind of i still look back at the the way she approached life and and the way she treated people and her family and so i you know i call in 
uh, call in some of her memories and her actions and try and um, replicate those a bit. Um, yeah, so they're a couple and yeah, generally, um, you know, they're just people who I um, respect, you know, Pete Howley, who was my physio. So I tended to have a, a really good support group around me mm. and, and, and they're friends for life. Once you're, you're in my sort of um, trust, in my Corner, circle of yep. trust, you, you know, you're there for life. So, awesome. you know, they're the people that I probably turn to and, and look up to and, and um, talk to regularly about what what's happening and we share stories and share advice and it's a nice way to be to have those supportive people around you. Definitely. Um, who do you want to see on the podcast next? Oh, we've, we've got to say Nath Hardigan because it's yep. a running joke in our in our running group that Nath's larger than life and um, <laughs> and he loves a chat. And he, I remember we used to run with Lee Troop. Lee Troop would be great because we'd um, I'd pick him up on a Sunday morning. You know, he moved to Bella. He's a bit younger and a bit wilder than me. And I reckon he was coming in the back door when I was knocking on his front door. I'd run over to his house. I reckon he'd just got home from being out partying. So oh, we'd, we'd yeah, start well. going for a run. and It's a two and a half hour run in the forest and, or out to the forest and around. And I'd kind of go, oh, so did you go out last night? Two and a half hours later, end of story. So I didn't have to talk at all. I oh, just really? Odd, he just yes. didn't, want to, he didn't it, want to talk? No, he'd just be on. Yeah, oh. we did this. And he'd, he'd be telling me what happened. It was fantastic oh, entertainment. Okay. It was great. Gotcha. I couldn't stop him. Yeah, yep. He was away. So, and Nate's a bit like that. So he loves the story. And um, he's had a couple of, um, he's had a bit of a cancer scare as well. So he's got some great stories and he's just a ripper bloke. So um, we'd all be interested. He's He's been on a few um, chats with different people and I think they find that entertaining but it's a bit of a running joke that he's kind of like the, the hero of the he's group the even okay. though he's not so don't <laughs> tell him he's not listening <laughs> anyone else anyone else from Ballarat or not um, you might be interested you might not know yeah you know I think um, Julian Spence who, who's not now in Ballarat but he's he's he runs the Inside Running podcast and he's um, it's a great story for him you know he's from Anglesey was probably a 220 marathon runner moved to Ballarat opened the running shop here and mm. he um he's running you know he made the world championship team he's now got a really good business with the inside running podcast runs a good story he's just had a baby with um with Bree little Pia and so it's it's a really good story of a person who's sort of just worked really hard and and got some you know got some good runs on the board because yep. of it so uh, he'd be interested and he's interviewed a lot of people yeah. so it'd be nice have to you, have you know to, yeah, to interview him, have definitely. Interview him yeah, as well. I good. think he's pretty good mates with Chris Radford I think he is exactly yeah. work he, he you know, uses um Chris and uh, does weights in the gym program yeah. with Chris so yeah that would be awesome. great mates yeah. who I know you've had on the show yeah, before so. a ripper. Uh, anything cool. else you'd like to share with the listeners before you go um, oh, you know, I love Ballarat and it's a beautiful city and I think we you know we're seeing it booming a bit at the moment mm. but it's um, it's been very supportive to me and you know, I, I, I love chatting I think, I think everyone understands you know, I love chatting and um, I'm, I'm very fortunate in life but I you know, I never say no to anyone. I do a lot of things, but we, you know, we've got a really strong community here. But it's only a strong community if we make it strong. So it's you know, and I think you know, I'm a part of a team. I try to have a go and do the best I possibly can. If we're all doing that, then you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world, but there's also a lot of bloody positive stories yeah. as well. You know, and you spoke about Rochelle and the homeless stuff. You know, there's just so many great people out there. And you know, I heard something this morning about a couple of guys trying to get together to to build some houses to you know so there's solutions there if you just got it and, and you know so many people when you think of the loneliness of the long distance runner and the marathon runner and me being in such an individual sport and yet it was the network and the support around me and the friendships that I've made that allow me to have the success that I do so it's never a one-man band or a one-person band the more people you get around you the more 
positive outcomes positive. you're going to have and the more happy and you know we talk about mental health and, um, and people's well-being and running can be that for me but so can my mates and my friends and the people that are around you and you know you need to call on those and be honest and open with those have some good conversations with them help them out and they'll help you awesome awesome right, Josh. cheers you. mate appreciate your time thanks no worries, so much great to be on board thanks. Appreciate you, mate. thanks for tuning in team once again would appreciate any reviews you've got down below have a great day